0: Hello listeners and welcome back to another shop talk show. This is your host Jason uh, returning for another round of conversation. This time I am joined by will save the podcast uh, and I will go ahead and I'll let John introduce himself in the podcast and then our other conversationalists and uh, we'll go from there
1: hey everyone my name is john swan i'm the game master of will save the podcast we are a Starfinder actual play podcast we are playing the uh paizo adventure path the threefold conspiracy and what a mystery it is
2: yeah hi my name is uh will i play dr kantu okatus a sharu uh Biomedical researcher on uh, on our adventure.
3: Hey everyone, my name is Kelly. I play a uh, a uh, space pirate or former one called Here's Fabricius, and he is in uh, Starfinder, a race called a Sheeran, which is a insectoid race in that universe.
0: And if you're coming at us from the uh, Will Save the Podcast feed um, again, my name is Jason. I am one of the players on Shield Bash and. The editor and social media manager and host of this segment, known as Shop Talk Show. Woo!
1: Shop yeah, right. Sh- Shop Talk, oh, shop yeah, talk. yeah. Talkin Shop, talking
3: shop <laughs> on the show.
0: We uh, <laughs> we like to sit down and discuss various uh, meta level topics, um, such things as world building, meta gaming, uh, music, and in this time, we are going to be discussing the differences between. Dungeons and Dragons, and Starfinder. Now, yes. I want to make sure we're very clear on one specific thing as to what this is, and then what this is not. What this is is literally just a discussion about the differences between two systems. It is not an edition war. <laughs> we love to do that. Yes. Uh. Comparing, especially with like Starfinder and 5th like edition, Comparing them is like trying to compare Ghostbusters and Poltergeist as ghost movies. <laughs> they are. They may both, both be ghost movies. They both may be classics, but they are incredibly different movies.
3: Fair. That's that's a good that's a good well, illustration.
1: Yeah. And yet yeah. they might have been next to each other in the blockbuster aisle. Who knows? You know, <laughs> for the for the ghost movie section. Yeah, or <laughs> could you imagine
0: <laughs> like? Somebody's like, I need a spooky movie. Ghostbusters or Ghost? Hmm. <laughs> Are there <any> spooky? <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's great. That's awesome.
0: And for our younger listeners, uh, Ghostbusters is a comedy, and Ghost is a movie about Patrick Swayze taking his shirt off.
3: Yep. Yeah, yep. Pretty much. It's pottery. And
2: sexualizing pottery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, yeah.
0: All right. So, you guys... Pick this topic as my guests usually do so i'm just going to start this way and ask what is one of the big like big points for you guys like what is one of the big things that made you think like this is what i want to talk about in this
3: episode kelly
1: you look like you're about to say something you open your mouth like it's actually
3: most- uh i can say something i we both started playing D together that's how a lot of us kind of got introduced that's certainly how i met this group of people Um, We all kind of come from that background, as a lot of people do when they're starting off with tabletops. Um, And uh, when we transitioned into Starfinder, there were a lot of really cool things about it, but a lot of new um, stuff that we never encountered before. And I know for me, it would be handy if some of your listeners, if they are interested in Starfinder, would kind of get a quick summary of what to expect, and just a good magnifying glass on maybe the top things that they should consider when they start. And some things they shouldn't worry about. Gotcha. And that's Really well said. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, um, uh, are you looking for like some of the big key features of Starfinder? Is that what you're what you're meaning?
3: Um, yeah. Some of the uh, the big key features. There are some like core differences. Uh, in my view, two or three. Uh, but um, I mean, John and Will will have other ideas that uh, that. I think new players should focus on, um, in particular, and so.
0: Well, what are some of those? What are some of those features? Well, we pick one you think would uh, spawn a good conversation. We can kind of roll through them.
3: Yeah, sure. Sorry, I was totally uh, not expecting to go first. <laughs> <That's what> I <I'm... laughs> well, you
0: noticed your GM has managed to just slide that over onto you. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you good. That's that. called delegation. Yeah. That's,
1: yeah, that's way. how this that's works. Bad. Hey, I'm not going to jump into that if you got <laughs> momentum. I'm not going to stop you.
3: One of the big things is, and we were talking about this a little bit more recently, is that uh, Starfinder focuses on tactical grid-based combat a lot more strictly than 5e does, which is more of a focus on the theater of the mind. Um, so, when it comes to uh, D&D, you can use a grid, or you can or you can choose to. It's up to the DM. Uh, the DM's discretion if he does or does not want to, or how loose he wants to be with that. Um, But there's a lot more freedom there, and uh, let's see, um, starship combat is of course something new in Starfinder, um, because Mm -hmm. obviously there's nothing like that in D&D, that's also grid-based, and then just... Yeah, hex-based actually, that's true. Um, and I recommend that people, that's one of the first things that, uh, newcomers focus on, by the way, because that's, like, a, a chief difference. It's so much fun, too. It, it yeah. is so fun. And then, uh, just one quick note that Pathfinder and Starfinder have differences, too. So just, just oh, yeah. one quick one is, like, Pathfinder allows swift actions during a full round action, and Starfinder doesn't allow those, except free actions during a full round action. Just one quick point that I, uh, uh wanted to bring up, because I know that you play Pathfinder, so...
0: Yes, yeah. I, I am in fact familiar with uh, all the systems we're discussing plus some additional ones. That being <laughs> said, one thing that one thing I've always thought, and I, I don't know how true this is, but I, one of the reasons why I think 5th edition is so theater of the mind with its combat is because of the negative reaction to 4th edition.
3: <clears throat>
0: because so many people didn't like how focused it was on combat like uh, it seemed like almost every class was built like every ability in the class was built specifically just for combat. I think is one of the reasons why 5th edition veered so far the other way. Especially like where 3rd edition's kind of your middle ground the pendulum of 4th edition versus the pendulum of 5th edition, you know.
1: Yeah, I actually got my start playing 3rd edition when I was younger and then that became 3.5 edition with uh actually the gm of the podcast how the quest was won i'll just shout out to brendan great podcast uh and i still play with him and yet yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of focus i found in 3.5 on specialization and that usually came with a lot of combat options and i mm-hmm. I, I think you're i never got a chance to play fourth edition so i definitely uh feel free to jump in with that jason but i from from what I understood about 4th edition, there was also some input that they had as far as like special powers and a lot of other things that really they wanted to make each class become s- stand out on its own more. And then I think that kind of led to a deeper rule set that a lot of people, as you said, mm-hmm. when 5e came by, they said, well, let's just simplify this. And that's, a, that, that's great because since I've played 5e and then now since I've been playing Starfinder... Then when I go back to 5e, I really do feel like it's very intuitive between all be, between whatever action I think that I'm going to do. There's there's a quick rule for it, uh, and it's usually up to the GM's discretion. And I can actually start with saying what I want to do, and then there's a simple role for it. Uh, pretty different.
2: Uh, not knowing so much about 4th uh, edition, but uh, I can definitely see how 5th edition could be interpreted as sort of more uh what's a great way to put it um more fluid in how how you approach like combat as well as like your investigation it's a little bit more up to what the gm wants to reveal at any given time or like based on what kind of questions whereas uh you know i could definitely see a a rule set being more strict uh how it might encumber that a little bit yeah
0: and I, th- I think what's coming up here, too, is one of the bigger underlying things about what your group wants. Because all three of you guys talked about how you mentioned one thing. It's up to the GM. Yeah. Now, I uh. I started in third edition. I've dabbled in the other editions. But mostly for me, it's been Pathfinder over the past couple years. And it is a very rules-heavy system. But at our table, we like that. And part of it is, you know, the guys I played with, they grew up playing much older systems before there were things like players handbooks and stuff Mm -hmm. where they Mm -hmm. were trying to survive the DM (laughs) (laughs) and having a system where it says, no, you can't do that because the rule book says that I get to do this thing, I think is a callback to like is one of the reasons why, you know, we like they like that. I like it just because I like complicated rule things where i can find loopholes but <laughs> it's uh you know a long-time listeners have heard me say this it's all about what your table wants and yeah. for our table at least we fluid is great it's nice when a combat runs quick and smooth but we also like that specialization and granularity of it We've
3: yeah definitely... i mean i think uh, go ahead john
1: oh just Going to say that we definitely like the rules. Maybe I'm I'm saying what you, what you're going to say, Kelly. Uh, our resident rules lawyer and other uh, cast member Kevin can be here tonight, but we he frequently is the individual who is saying, "Hey, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up."
3: I you found can't it do right that. here
1: on this page. Right, and then if we're in the middle of an episode and we're going, then we have what we affectionately call uh, the firm, who are uh, just fans that <laughs> are sometimes GMs, sometimes players, that we will reach out to on Discord in the middle of an episode asking specifically about grenades or about some yeah. specific <laughs> thing and, and, and seeing what they say. And it's also a fun little out-of-context spoiler for the episode, right? So yeah. A good time. I, I I think we call our podcast not Raw Rules is Written, but like... Don't we say medium rare? Is that the, the <laughs> term that we said? Because we do focus on the rules, but there have been times where sometimes just in the moment, I mean, you'll you'll hear it if you're a will save uh, listener. That sometimes I'll just be like, you know what? I just decide this. We'll figure it out later. Hands yeah. off the chess piece. We move on. And yeah.
2: uh, and we have to made our own sort of rules sometimes. Uh, like, did because we nerfed a uh,
3: magic missile. Very right. yeah, Much to my chagrin, because I like that attack <laughs> yeah. a lot.
1: As a as <laughs> as a technomancer, Kelly loves that. But we basically we nerfed it because the idea is that if you want to make a lethal attack non lethal, right? Then you do incur a penalty, and vice versa. And so Kelly was like, "Well, for an for a spell that automatically hits, which is a nice bridge between five v." And uh, Starfinder, right? And 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 i from wrong Pathfinder, right? It automatically yeah, yeah. hits magic missiles,
0: yeah. magic missiles. Even in fourth edition, right. yeah, yeah, one yeah. of the best, it's like effects. floating disc. It just sticks around,
1: yeah. right? You, yeah. <laughs> you don't fix what's broken, but this non lethal lethal change is important because I basically said if you don't have control over whether it's going to hit or not, like it's definitely going to hit, then I feel like there's a 50% chance that even though you want it to be non-lethal, it might be lethal, or vice versa, so you have to roll a percentage die. Because mm-hmm. I, I think it just makes sense. It makes sense that you're kind of casting something that is a little bit... Uh, it, it's so unwieldy. Well, yeah, yeah, it's so unwieldy. The other side was to say it's always lethal, right? Cause it That's always the side I would have come
0: down on, because that's just roles. what it does
2: like yeah <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair you enough. and kevin are in, are in good company
3: <laughs> so, <Yeah>. though it's more <laughs> difficult for my character I, I like that flavor that we add. Uh, in truth so that's but, good yeah. but
1: only if you intend it as such it's not like every time you cast it it might be 50 yeah. 50 that's
3: I mean, that's
0: much better because otherwise it's yeah. just a lot more extra rolling
1: was, oh yeah uh, no 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 yeah
0: well i i will admit um one of the guys in our, our podcast, he strongly dislikes 5th Edition because he thinks it's too loose on the rules. One of the things that I'm constantly trying to remind him is that, yeah, compared to Pathfinder and Starfinder, yeah, 5th Edition is pretty loose on the rules. Um, but I recently got to talk to a guy named John Hambone McGuire, who did a kickstart for 3 2, one Action. He sent me the PDF for the scenario he kickstarted last year. And the full rule, full rule book, and pre-generated characters, and the thing was just over a hundred pages. Wow! Yeah. Nice. So it was kind of that reminder that there are systems out there that are really,
2: really loose.
0: Yeah. This whole game revolves around a single d10. That's all you need to play the entire game.
1: That sounds. Great, like you piqued my interest. Now oh,
0: I-, I mean, it was a fantastic. It's fantastic, and you, actually, the rules are out there um, for mm-hmm. those of you who are interested. Against three, two, one, action, uh, you can get them. It's a lot of fun to play. We had a great time.
2: It's uh, It looks like it's pay what you want on Drive Through RPG.
0: So it's uh yeah, check them out. Um, but that's not what we're here for. Uh. <laughs> No, I just have to remember what my point was going to be. Hold on, Uh, let me think. It was something relevant and conversationally starting, and I okay.
1: (laughs) So I had something else to bring up, but I will let you drive.
0: No, John, you go ahead. Uh, Because my uh, my I ran out of gas.
1: Oh, it's well, <laughs> not good. We will <laughs> refill you as we're talking. Uh, yeah, I, you mentioned, too, about some of those specialization options. And that was one thing that, for me, was a big change, right? So when I first played 3.5, I loved Monks. Uh, that was just my first class. And you, for all you Monk haters out there, uh, bring it. You know, it's cool. But in 3.5... I,
0: I'm the same way about Rangers. Like, first okay, class, right. and I love it.
1: Right, yeah. I will always love it. You'll always love that, that first class. But in 3.5, you'll probably remember, Jason, they had prestige classes. So it was like yes. further multi class options. So, like for Monk, it was like Drunken Master, and you had all these awesome prestige classes. And then also, uh, you might remember this too, they had what was the quintessential for each class, which was a harken back to even older editions, if I'm uh, correct. So, there were a lot of specializations that you had in 3.5. Now, in 5E, you don't have that. And to be fair, I feel like with D and D Beyond, you can really roll up and create a cool character in the space of ten or fifteen minutes with a fun backstory, and you can jump right in the game, and it's awesome. And there's and and there is a lot of specialization in Didn't that. Didn't
2: they got changed? Like the prestige class is just now, like a rollout of like different feats depending on your class. Because I'm looking at it right now, and it's uh, my favorite class because you know rogues do it better is the rogue, <laughs> and um, you know, there's. It looks like I see Arcane Trickster on here in a three-five uh, well, class, but maybe I'm wrong.
0: From what I understand, here is fifth edition. When you get what third level, you hit your specialization, right? Yeah, right. Or second. Level so things, yeah. yeah, So like it in Pathfinder, they would call those archetypes, um, right. which in Pathfinder you can choose to be a core class or take an archetype, but the prestige class was something you had to build towards and. Not everybody could take it, but more than just, like, you didn't have to be a rogue to take Arcane Trickster. Um, I don't remember exactly in 3rd edition, and I don't really want to go grab the books for it, but in Pathfinder, you had to be able to do Sneak Attack, which admittedly generally was a rogue, and then be able to cast Arcane Spells, which, personally, I went Barge, some people go Sorcerer, Wizard, and then when they started introducing more classes, though, it's like, well, you could be a Slayer. Or a um, a vivisectionist alchemist, and all of those would be able to get into arcane trickster. And admittedly, I, it's one of the things that I don't like between Pathfinder first edition and second edition is they lost some of that that specialization, mostly in in skill condensation, which yeah. I I hate it when they condense the skills down too much.
1: Yeah, there's. Uh, I'm very happy playing Starfinder one for the skills because there's so much nuance to every skill and you can really jump into identify is that identify creature. And when you do uh, a, like a, like a medicine check, there are so many specific options that they've given for you to do that. Yeah. And, and, and I just want to say in Starfinder two, I mean, you can have a whole party of five envoys and they're all totally different and they all have their own specialization and their own theme. And it's, it's, it's really, I think, one of the most powerful parts of the system that yeah. makes playing it very fun. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: Yeah, I, in fact, at a convention, I had a very similar experience. We had four operatives at the table, but we were all, each of us was a different specialization. Uh, yeah. And operative being the pseudo-rogue replacement, like, there was no skill not covered because we had gobs and gobs of skill points. Yeah, But it... it it still worked well because we were able to cover each other's uh, um, uh, weaknesses.
1: Right, right. And they they really make it a point to where if you wanted to be an operative who focused on computers – then now, especially with uh, tech revolution, like dynamic hacking, you can really jump in and, and, and there's a lot for you. And I think that also comes to with the setting, right? With the with the Starfinder setting, which is a bit more of a counterpart to our own world. There are things like media, there are things where like corporate networks, there are things with like Computers. computer systems. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. that it, it, it feels very easy to, to think in those terms. Uh, not that Thinking in a high in, in in like a fantasy setting is tough, but I think they Paizo did is, a great job of making sure that those skills were adaptable. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Jason. No, I,
0: I just I thought you were done, so I apologize for pseudo interrupting you. It is a different mindset, though. You're right. Like the first time I ever played Starfinder, it was at a convention. I'd been playing Pathfinder most of the weekend, and I was like, "Well, I'm going to try out Starfinder because it's new, right?" and in the first hour of the session, we joked about Star Trek, Stargate, Star Wars,
2: <laughs> it's just um,
1: all Starship Troopers. It all comes out. Oh,
0: Yeah, man. and, you know, it just sets a completely different viewpoint. And, like, I will never forget the time that we, we basically ran Dukes of Hazard for a scenario. <laughs> and I mean that in a literal fashion, vehicles jumping stuff. Right. And it was just, like, in, in Pathfinder, we would have been, like, focused on okay do we hire a caravan do we teleport there like it's no we just get in the vehicles floor it and go wildlife (laughs) you mean speed bumps
3: yeah (laughs) all that planetary wildlife you're running over yeah yeah i feel
1: like that needs to be on a on a shield bass shirt (laughs) On on a shop top shirt (laughs)
3: <laughs> One thing that I really like is I love that that futurism is so cool. But I, I, I do like the connection to the past that it has with Pathfinder. I think that's awesome that some of those old races are still around. There's still elves, technically, and stuff like this. You could be them. And there's just... Uh, that's really cool. And a lot of the gods are still around. like some, But but they weave into the story that some of them have died. Because... Uh, um, or are no longer worshipped and therefore effectively kind of dead. It's just interesting how they cover lore-wise... Um, what happens before and after the gap, which some of your uh, listeners might know about, which is that those thousands of years when there's just this, like, blip of uh, of forgotten time between, like, the Pathfinder time and the Starfinder time. It's pretty cool. I like the connection as well. Yeah. And
1: I love, too, how they wrote into the lore that how different civilizations deal with the gap. You know, like, space goblins come out of the gap and are like, hey, maybe there's a, there's we can almost kind of like reinvent ourselves. So their civilization has like moved forward. So so the goblin stats aren't the same as if you were in Pathfinder, right? But then some civilizations are just the same. And I don't know too much about the uh, Aslanti uh, from Pathfinder or Starfinder. I haven't jumped too much into that. But my understanding is that it's uh, similar enough.
0: Well, actually, in Pathfinder, the Islanti civilization died out um, like 5,000 years ago,
1: mm-hmm.
0: if not longer. Like, it was completely wiped out on Galarian. So, there are realistically no Islanti left, so their civilization is just gone.
1: I I I think I was referring more to some adventure paths where there have been talks of, like, Islanti uh, coming through out in, yeah, further out.
0: Gotcha, yeah. I, um... Yeah, don't
1: want to give any spoilers away.
0: Well, uh, yeah, it's not even that. It's I I have the entire AP for Ruins of Island, yeah,
1: but I have massive. not been
0: able to... Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get to run it or play it, so I haven't delved too much into it
1: yet. But
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. That being it. said, yeah. spoiler-free, that is one of the other big differences um, to discuss between Starfinder and 5e, is that Starfinder and all Pathfinder products weave the mechanics into their setting and the setting into the mechanics like it is a it is a thing between them like when you pick um uh it's not a background what a theme theme, Uh theme, when you pick a theme those things are flavored in the light of what the packed worlds are yes but fifth edition Watsy, they're pulling what 40 years of settings now
1: and it's just a big emphasis on the Sword Coast.
0: Yeah. But at the same time, it seems like every year they're coming out with like, okay, hey, now that, you know, D&D and Wizard and um, Magic the Gathering are under the same corporate umbrella, right. here's your uh, Theros setting and your Ravnica <laughs> setting and yes. your Strixhaven setting. Let's see. I, I know they've got Forgotten Realms because, of course, they do. I know they came out with an Eberron setting for 5th edition. Now that they've settled the lawsuit, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Dragonlance setting come back. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's there's just a lot more campaign options, like setting-wise, for 5th edition than what you see in any Paizo product.
1: Yeah, I, I, I wanted to get spacing in case Will and Kelly have had anything to think about it. But I myself have wanted to dig into the Eberron setting. I uh, haven't yet. I think, though, one of the great things about Starfinder that I've seen the evolution with Pathfinder. I've seen that there are rule books upon lore books upon exploration books upon all this. And I, I, I think Paizo really nails that. Like, there's there's a there's a depth to all of the settings that I personally prefer almost over D&D. Like, sure, you could jump into Eberron You could jump into Forgotten Realms. And then I'm going to spend uh, a while on, you know, a fandom site, and I'm going to read a lot about the background for d But it feels like d d can be as deep as you want it to be, and it feels like Pathfinder and Starfinder just invite you in. They are like, hey, just so you know, that thing that you just read, there's so much more meaning and great hooks and mysteries and cool things about that one thing, and it's going to be in the next sentence, we're going to hook you a little more, and then we're going to let you know that uh, there's actually a book coming out that's going to explore it <laughs> even more. Right. You know, it's like, they yeah. really try and make sure. And to me, it feels more real because D and D feels like, uh, and and let me know what you think. Will and Kelly, it's like, I feel like D and D lives in the adventure that you're in and pathfinder and Starfinder feels like the setting that you're yeah. in when you play. Right. So it's up to the GM, how they play it, of course, with homebrew and everything.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I find Starfinder more immersive in the sense that it can you can really, like as a character choosing your race, choosing your um, you know how you're developing your character, you can really dive into like the sort of the existing universe of, of lore that they've developed and then still be, I don't know how you say it, but uh, engrossed sort of in in Mm -hmm. this larger world Mm -hmm. where it seems more tangible and there's more interaction between all these different settings that are really just like different planets, different parts of the same story. But yeah, versus, I don't know, 5e is kind of a little more disjointed in that
3: way. Yeah, completely. I I just love reading the (laughs) lore over and over and all over the place. It's fun. And we talk about it during, sometimes we catch it on recording just like gushing about it it's it's so fun
1: <laughs> yeah I I frequently the the packed worlds book and the near space book I, I think are really great because you can just go to the planet and they will just any planet aquiton right uh, Castrovel uh, desk 2 and they will just give you just such a succinct great blurb about it and then the next page is always or the third page is always the map and you look yeah. at the map of the planet, and you're just like, there are so every text that you see indicating some city or moon, there is a whole several paragraph section on it, and each like that one moon on that random uh, planet will have some hook to it, and it will reference the economy on that planet and why uh, it the the base or the civilization or or the planet developed as it did, and yeah. that who
2: they trade with always or like. Looks- what they do or what they specialize in and like it's just very rich uh storytelling as far as like establishing you know like some sort of uh theme to pull from as you're developing your character
3: completely and it's so cool to have the physical handbook and the physical uh literature on this i I highly recommend it it's just great holding all that in your hand and just paging through yeah it's awesome
0: listeners that being said if you it, it is great and if you could see around me you would see the close on <laughs> sixty books uh, for different systems and stuff. At the same time, if you can't afford to sync those, it's all also available online. Uh, yes, like Pathfinder Wiki, Starfinder Wiki, Archives of Nethys.
1: Oh, classic. It's all yeah. yeah
0: it's all yep. out there. Archives has gotten a lot better about hyperlinks now too, so you can
3: mm-hmm.
0: you'll Think go Star. down that
3: go down that rabbit hole star jammer has a star jammer as well that has some good info on that if i remember correctly
0: start i know star jammer is out there it doesn't do quite as good a job of keeping itself up to date oh, okay uh, yeah. Yeah. some yeah. of the erratas and stuff like that Yeah. so
1: yeah
0: just you know small and, you know it's really not going to be a big deal unless you get into something really nudely um but that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> the system we're talking about noodly is part of the name of the game yeah <laughs> Our listeners are going to hear a bit of a rehash here from their from the last uh, episode where we talked about RPGs and deities and pantheons. But that is one of the things Pathfinder does, in my opinion, best is their deities. You know who they are, who worships them, why, what they care about, and there's always like almost every character you make should be able to find something that fits, even if it's not like, well, I'm a fully devoted, totally enraptured, going to evangelize, even if it's just like, yeah, this person fits my worldview in a general yeah. sense.
1: Yeah, I think, Will, when you really came into, I, I forget which episode it was, but when you really started to identify, when Dr. O'Kay started to uh, identify with a deity. I, I, th- I think it really made sense, if you want to elaborate on that.
2: Yeah, so, um, I mean, in Near Space 2, I think it, it talks about the... Uh, I play uh, an Asharu, which is like a slug like race. They are very studious and they're very methodical. Their whole, their whole planet and their economy kind of runs around research and development and dedication to science and knowledge and the you know the perfection of knowledge and scholarship so it obviously it's like very fitting for in starfinder and i think pathfinder as well yara isa is the uh our core deity for for knowledge that's like sort of the dr ok is a, a biohacker and so there is i forget the actual biohacker deity but there is one uh, and I should know it but um, Yara Issa is like the big big one on my planet so like you know all of my theme abilities kind of like that are I, I for instance have like the ability to identify through mysticism using my life science skill right because of uh, my theme as, as a scholar but that I I roll into sort of my sort of phrase of Yara Isa as a character um that's what like sort of gives me that inspiration uh that I like I get to role play with um which is a lot of fun.
3: Yeah very cool. Um my character here is being a having been a pirate Besmara is the god of uh pirates and that's a pre gap deity so that goes to path to back to Pathfinder as well. Um but very often um the relationship between pirates and Besmara can be pretty different where a lot of them are not necessarily praying to Besmara every day, but on their deathbed, they kind of call out, and uh, just in important situations. And so everybody's relationship with uh, deities is different. Another one that I think is kind of uh, cool is Abadar. Um, He's yeah. also from Pathfinder, but in Starfinder, Abadar actually has a whole corporation built around it, which is kind of amazing. So it, it really like gets fleshed out in a really cool amazing way Uh, and it's this huge huge company uh, based around abadar called abadar Corp in starfinder it's great yeah
1: like that is the church right like the the executives are the priests right their offices are their temples like that that it's just such a unique way to roll in to 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 roll abadar from pathfinder thousands of years past the gap
0: yeah i I like Abadar um, mostly just because he's a god that's real easy for me to mess with people's preconceived notions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I told this story before, and but I love telling it. One of my, one of my groups, I'm running through, and they had a mission to go save this abbot of Abadar that got kidnapped, and they go and they they free him, and they're fighting through the tunnels, and they finally get to his cage, and they cut his bonds. Like, okay, can you like here's your holy symbol? Can you like heal us? Or we got to fight our way back out. He's like, heal you. What? Like, yeah, you're a priest of Abadar. He's like, yeah, I'm an accountant. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) No magics whatsoever. It's just really good at taxes and city planning.
1: Yeah, that is awesome. That 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 is great. (laughs) Those are cool powers. Yeah, Yeah.
0: (laughs) for them, yeah, it's fantastic. (laughs) One of the other nice things that I find about Starfinder. And it's, again, I think it's a Paizo thing. There's a lot of lore. It's very rich. Mm-hmm. But in the lore, there's also a lot of question marks. You know? Like, what happened, uh, if this makes any sense to you guys, what happened to the last Islanti? What happened to eridan What is, like, what did happen to the Gap? Like, what caused it? Who caused it? How long did it yeah. really last? The, there's the questions of like okay so you know that uh the elves on castravel are actually you went through a giant portal to get to galarian right
2: mm-hmm.
0: why are there eoxians and galarian in pathfinder <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. like there's all these things in there that are like okay there's tons of lore it's very rich and you're right it's immersive but there's enough other mysteries that you can kind of fill in your own gaps which yep. is also very cool
3: yeah yeah, as any like sort of world built world should be. I think that's great world building. So, so good at that.
1: Yeah, and I I know that they at 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 the time of, of this interview in the future they are going to r- release a book about the Drift. Paizo is for Starfinder, and, and about. But I don't think that they've said that. In fact, I'm pretty sure they 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 said they're they're not going to answer anything about the gap and about what happened <laughs> to Valerian. because. Why would you? It's just—it's yeah. such a, such a wonderful, mystery.
0: Yeah, you know, it reminds me of the what they said about the original Star Wars trilogy. George Lucas was the master of making things sound cool without answering any questions. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, so, yeah.
0: Like, yeah. what is yeah. the Kessel Run? Nobody knew. You yeah. Know? But it almost seems less cool once you begin to learn what it is. You know, because it's, it's just like I don't know what that means, but that sounds like it's a fast ship.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you need that mystery sometimes. You, you need some questions to remain unanswered in order to keep that drive and that curiosity.
0: So we've talked a lot about Pat, uh, Starfinder. I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the things I like about 5th edition. Uh, I sent over a couple of different things. I'm going to start with the one that I, I kind of like as a DM, but as a player I would kind of hate And this is a convention rule, and that's the player's handbook plus one. And I believe they've actually gotten rid of that rule since then, but it's one that when I DM, I kind of want to instigate, where it's like, you can get the main rulebook, and then one additional book to build your character. Because Mm. mostly, in you know, for Pathfinder, you know, there's 30 rulebooks. Condense it down for me, widget, but... As a player, I also love, you know, when I make a new character, I sit down and I have six of those rule books open at the same time. So, what do you guys think about think about some of that? Do you ever run into a situation where you feel like you have too many
2: choices? Yes. Uh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Kelly. Uh,
3: are we, we're talking about 5e or Starfinder in this case?
2: Well, uh, Yes.
3: Uh, okay, <laughs> All right, gotcha. <laughs> well, actually, in either case, like it's always the spells for me. There's a limited amount mm. of like slots, and I, I, ooh, I like the anguish of like having to choose one over the other is really hard.
0: <laughs> I the reason why I play human sorcerers in first edition because then I can gain more spells and I never have to worry about which one's the slot. And I'm just like, okay, I, I got it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, I don't. Um, I'm trying to think of like what options i've felt limited by but or or even felt overwhelmed by and um you know in both cases i think like starfinder definitely has more options yeah fifth edition it's kind of nice having sort of like a a limited scope so to speak of like what you can apply to a single adventure which is kind of you know it helps a bit to narrow down what you want to do and kind of be more um focused i guess
1: yeah i feel like the wizards lately has been feeling they've been pressing the envelope a little bit like with each new book with wild beyond the witch light with Strixhaven, they've really said like hey there are a couple extra classes here and that didn't used to be the case right it used to just be the case that they would release uh modules and that might not have a new race in it but in Pathfinder Starfinder, that feels very normal. But in 5e, they don't. And I I worry that they might start to incorporate too many. But in D&D Beyond, I mean, you, you have a choice when you're making a character to include or not include as many of those source books in your selections as you want. And I, I haven't heard about the uh, Player's Handbook plus one rule, but I think it's a really great idea that... It makes sure that you set your intention before you even really like like you are now taking a step back further when you're creating your character because now you have to make a choice about where you want all that information to come from. And I, I, I think that's really great. I've never played a Starfinder character, spoiler. I've only GM Starfinder, but I've him and, and played 5e, so I, I have a lot more opinions about 5E choices when it comes to creating a character.
0: Uh, one thing I will hark back to what you said um it may have a new race Starfinder has so many races. Yes. <laughs> and like I said I I loved going to conventions. I've kind of cut back now because of parenting, but in when you play Pathfinder at conventions, anything outside the core rulebook races you had to like earn them through play, right? Yeah. But when I started doing Starfinder at conventions, it was like every scenario, they're like, oh, you completed it. Here's this race. Here's this race. Do you want to be a sentient hive mind crystalline creature?
2: Here you yeah. go. Yeah. Like, Do you want to be a gas cloud? You can play yeah. it. <laughs>
0: Do you want to be a six-foot-tall, bald butterfly angel?
3: Here you go. Right. There's an entire world. <laughs> There's like yeah. kind of animal person, too. It's like cat people. Like, it's awesome. Lizard yeah.
0: People. Husky people. Aborted yeah.
3: Bear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, if I ever got the awakened bear, that's what I'm playing. Like, there's no question. <laughs> you have to. Yes. The legend of Sir Barrington is written rooted in my brain for a long time.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Barrington.
0: But uh, one of the, some of the other stuff, like okay, you're, I talked about a con- condensation of skills. I love the fifth edition skill of investigation cuz like you John I started in third edition 3.5 and search spot and listen
1: mm-hmm.
0: were such an annoying split up having to sink s- skill points into all three of them just to be able to be moderately perceptive and then getting in the debate of like well it's a weird taste and you can't spot a taste I'm like well what the f-? like there's no what do you want from me right so in Pathfinder it all became yeah, it all became perception And perception became the single most important skill in the entire game. Because, oh, somebody's trying to sneak up on you? Perception check. Oh, you're looking for something important? Perception check. Oh, this is happening? Perception check. I wish there was investigation kind of split up for, like, that passive and that active searching, you know?
1: Well, I I, I think, too, you bring up passive and active. And I know I actually really enjoy... And it comes from 3.5, and I'm pretty sure it's from Pathfinder, and it's definitely Starfinder. The, the trained and untrained sense of skills, and I there's also the the take 10 and the and the take 20 aspect to skills, and I think I realized kind of that 5e rolled away the whole like trained, untrained, right, and take 10, take 20. And there's neither of that in there but there is passive perception there are like passive skill checks which are literally 10 plus Plus, your skill right and and i like that like that's such a succinct way and it's really beautiful in its simplicity to just say well here's what you're actively doing and here's what you would passively do and and those literal words meaning the exact same thing without having a whole other set of take 10 take 20 as much as i love them in Starfinder, it's very nice in 5e i E.
3: I, I guess i i agree with your general summary of um of of missing investigation and then also yeah i i, I really do miss the passive perception i think that that is is awesome <laughs> not having to roll perception all the time um yeah that's that's kind of it really yeah
2: i mean i to echo that like i i do the simplicity of it can be um i think like one of the biggest challenges when i started playing starfinder was like getting to know how to do an investigation as in like, my character because i like i i had figured life science was going to be like very important to my character uh and as like sort of the the debuff and buffer and investigator kind of in some regard but yeah it was it was it was complicated to kind of get into those sort of crunchy nuances at first and um, but i've come to appreciate them but you know it's just it's different flavor is all like D is a, a lot uh i think more approachable from like a, a investigation standpoint in that regard
0: and for some of my listeners who uh, I do GM for off-air, I know you're going to be sitting here thinking, but Jason, you use passive perceptions. You have them all written down. And you're right, I do. But Neil, when your regular perception is 27, so your passive is 37, <laughs> it doesn't really make a much difference.
1: It doesn't. That's great. That's great. <laughs> I think, too, one one thing that, that just came to mind, too, is this, as a, as a GM there is this idea that like, if you're not going to have any, anything cool from failing, right, then why would you maybe, or anything of note from failing something, then the, 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 take 10 or the passive really makes sense. And I think that, that, that starts to blend in with your personal style of GMing and how much you, uh, elaborate on actions and failing forward. And you, you can get pretty deep in, in that theory. But uh, it, there's, there's a really nice way that 5e has just kind of taken that away. And they've given you, the GM, the key to say, like, well, well, what's your passive perception, right? And that allows the story to move forward without you having to do a lot of mental gymnastics for every single dice roll. Uh,
0: which one of the other cool things that 5th edition has added uh, that I really like, and I even tried to instigate for a little while, but didn't quite catch on with my players, is advantage and disadvantage. Mm. Which I think it's, in my opinion, the single most cool thing mechanically that they have done. Just that general concept of, like, oh, you should succeed at this, but there's always that chance, But so here's advantage. You know, or there's no arbitrary, like, I really don't think you'd be able to do this, so take a big penalty. It's just, this is a ridiculous disadvantage.
1: I, I'm, I'm just going to say flat out, yes. When I, like, first played 5e, and then they're like, so this is advantage and disadvantage. My mind was like this is this makes so
2: much sense." this is the way yeah this (laughs) This is is the way the way this is great
1: it's it's i feel like there have been times where we've wanted to do that in starfinder and then i as a GM, i'm like uh maybe not or y'all have brought it up and i've been like oh but we're playing starfinder so yeah i i want to use it but then also 5e is balanced for advantage and disadvantage right starfinder is not and so it's like it is almost betraying the spirit of the system to do it but if you want to do it out there totally you should totally do it because it's hard not to it's such an attractive rule
0: i agree so what are you guys some kelly were you about to say something i think i caught you off it up
3: oh uh (laughs) like uh i i um one thing that uh, one uh, just one quick difference that was kind of running through my head is that in for some classes in Five E, when you have a short rest, you can regain some of your spell slots. That is not at all the case in Starfinder. So even uh, so I play a Technomancer, who's is basically arguably the most magical class, uh, and uh, and uh, it it can't be done. So you have to be like very very um, judicious about your use of spells. That's all. Yeah, I like spells. I always play like magic users pretty much. So no.
0: If you guys ever get into Pathfinder First Edition, you will find that like I got over almost 18 Starfinders, uh, sorry Pathfinder Society characters. Almost all of them can cast spells in some manner, even if it's just a couple cantrips to get through the day, right? right. Yeah, they're they're just too utility to not have. But I, I will admit, and this is kind of a holdover from Fourth Edition, I hate Watsy's resting mechanics after everything past Third Edition. I I hate the like. Oh, you got a good night's sleep. You you know recover from having your spleen ripped out.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Hey, great.
2: That's actually where I I like Starfinder a lot. The learning about the resolve pool and stamina pools uh, was definitely like kind of refreshing in a way. In that regard, like oh, this. I, I if I do a full rest, I might not get really that much. Honestly, if I roll bad or yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it makes sense with stamina that if you rest for 10 minutes, you regain your stamina. It's, it's, It's not quite like the fantasy flight star Wars where like there's your soak. It's not quite like that. It's like, it's just your ability to be winded or not be winded or to recover quickly, but you might still be really low in your hit points. Yeah. You know, it's, it's such a great mechanic. And then when you get to resolve, it's like, well, you can also spend your resolve if you if you want. Do you want to go to that resolve market where you can risk doing something really cool? Uh, but then next time you go down, you might not have enough, especially at higher levels. Right when you need more just to be able to stay in the fight.
3: Uh, that's
1: it. It's a it's a nice the resolve point economy is robust in Starfinder. I guess. Yes, that and, and it,
0: it's a shaky thing too because you're never yeah. quite sure like is this yeah. situa- is this is the is right this choice? situation? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I I always liked it too because it kind of harkens back to a lot of the sci-fi video games like Borderlands or Halo where you have that sh- regenerating shield.
1: Yeah, but as long as you can Great avoid point. taking
0: damage long enough, you get that you get that back where you know you can soak some, like you said, soak, I know that's a mechanical term from another system, but you can just take some more damage without it really stopping you.
1: Exactly. Yep, 100%. It does make healing and long bouts in which you don't have healing uh, can be tough.
0: Because that's one thing about Starfinder, is there's not a lot of healing.
1: I guess if you are a GM who really likes to punish your players, that's great, but as a player, I can only imagine that after a while, it's like I, I've just been walking this fine line every single session.
3: Yeah, uh, we Start feel, to feel that like way. a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> feel yeah. that way a good many sessions, really. <laughs> we really do.
0: <laughs> well, I, I like many people, uh, do listen to well. Did now that series is over, androids and aliens, yep. of yeah, last Glass Cannon podcast, and yep. I, I can't help but agree with Skid a little bit when he you know rants and raves about. It's like, oh no, I'm sorry, I've already treated you once today. My futuristic medicine is now, you know, unable to continue healing your cuts because reasons.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, has it been twenty-four hours yet? Nope, nope. has not been. <laughs> yeah.
0: You're still immune to aspirin <laughs> and band-aids.
1: <laughs> that that's something that I and I'd be curious to hear what we all think here and and to any listeners. I don't know that we've gotten... We haven't had to use that mechanic a lot. But obviously, Dr. Okay, you are also a biohacker, uh, bio as uh, Skid's character was later on. And I, I've already started to anticipate that it might be something that I would just homebrew. And I'd be curious to see what you all think about that. Because I feel a little dangerous homebrewing too much in Starfinder because it's so balanced. And obviously, people make mistakes, and there's a rod and there's things to fix it. But you know, like there is a reason why it does that, why like why that is that way. So I don't, you know, kind of depends on what kind of game you want to run. But I'd be curious what you all think.
2: I think in some degree, you know, maybe it makes sense where resources are spent and they sort of slowly regenerate my custom micro lab or something. You know, like we could role play it, however, Mm. um, but there is that like, well maybe maybe you're right. Maybe like a band-aid's a band-aid. Like it, it shouldn't be such a uh
3: hard fast sort of uh rule, I suppose, maybe. I don't know. Mm, I guess I'm down for yeah, I not doing this very often, I don't have a super strong opinion, but like uh I'm I'm always down to have John home things. he's very good at GMing in general, so
0: well obviously I'm not on your guys's podcast so i don't have a big stake in this um but if i were to make a suggestion it would be to check out the medicine rules in pathfinder second edition uh, because they they set up a lot of that where you can only do it like in combat for a person once a day Um, But then there's a feat where you can do it an extra time or outside of combat it takes this long, but then you can take feats to make it shorter or do it more often or two people at once and, like, all that stuff. So I would suggest to check that out.
1: That's a great suggestion. Plus, it feels like it's kind of keeping it in the family on the Pathfinder.
0: I do feel like the rules for that evolved from Starfinder. So
1: that's my two cents. for, for 2E came from Starfinder, you mean?
0: Yeah. Got it. Yeah, uh, the medicine specifically, and some of the others, but the medicine specifically. So, um, you guys, what are some, like, closing thoughts for you guys? Like, um, is there anything that we, you know, you came into this wishing, like, oh, I can't wait to talk about this, but we haven't quite hit it yet?
2: I wanted to talk about Starship Combat.
0: Ooh, well, shoot, let's go. Starship Combat, one of the most controversial things. Uh, it is literally <laughs> a <laughs> love it or hate it thing. Um, I love it. <laughs> i yeah. I mean I think it's fun but like I've sat down with plenty of people that are just like does this scenario have starship combat? Yeah? Okay, uh, I'm done. I, and they just no oh,
2: that's, uh, uh, they even man.
0: put it in the description of some stuff nowadays so it's like they just don't even sign up for stuff because some people just really don't like it.
2: I think it's a cool mini game kind of is, and and it like fits with you know like the real world, right? Like in a sense where you're not always going to be in the same sort of dungeon crawl situation you're out like in the middle of space and you have to maneuver and you act in a certain way right like mechanics work differently you know it's turn-based but it's uh you act kind of simultaneously right like you Mm uh you're opposing like who moves first but you guys both move at the same phase whereas you're not like uh, move and shoot move and shoot yeah.
0: so listeners basically the way starship combat works is there. it goes in I think it's three stages right there's like your science and engineering so like people can like repair phase. things Hel- and then there's the helm phase for piloting and then there's the gunnery phase which is my personal favorite because even though I'm a pilot there always seems to be somebody with a higher piloting skill but I <laughs> still get to blow things up with nukes Agree is that, um, but like the weapons are cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, twin electric Gatling guns.
3: We also cool. like taunting, uh, taunting enemies on the other ships. By <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's like yeah. my favorite part. Yeah, you guys smell like ducks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you got the sound of ducks in the background.
2: Yeah. Exactly. That's insulting. <laughs>
3: Now there'll be duck people in Starfinders.
0: Yeah, yeah, Mallardinians. Yeah. <laughs> Mallardinians. <laughs> Did uh, you just come up with that? Was that, that was, that's
3: awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: yeah that was awesome. That's awesome. My next character. Yeah. <laughs> Mallardinians.
0: <laughs> totally yeah. race. I'm in. See if you can find the stats for Tango and just kind of you know <laughs> adjust <laughs> them a bit. Yeah, uh, unnecessarily uh, aggressive.
1: Swans. Yeah, I as a GM, I really enjoy Star uh, Starship Combat because you know as a gm you kind of get the bonus of like it's fun to decide and have one role right like to be in the and to be the pilot or to be the gunner but then it's also fun as the gm to just do all of it it is i have definitely found that in when we have done it in our show or we haven't or done it yet on test, the show not on the okay. show no uh, but in the playtests, just just for us we have and i definitely was just like leaning back in my chair with the mic at the full extension and i am just Turning from page to page every time, and but that is really fun for me. So I, I, I think for all you listeners, if you haven't done Starship Combat, you have to figure it out for yourself. It's definitely a really cool mini game. I, I could like
2: see do. why yeah. you wouldn't, why some people wouldn't like it though. But totally. but I think you should still try it unless uh, you just don't like it.
3: I didn't like it at first, but it grew on me. It definitely did. It became really fun. It's just, like, just a few things to remember once you get the system down,
1: Yeah, and I, I, liked there was some uh, ask me anything with the developers of Starfinder on Reddit, and I distinctly remember somebody being like, "Hey, so why aren't there credit scores for all the upgrades that you can buy for a ship?" And they literally said, "Because we don't, we we wrote it so then people can't just like take a ship and then just attack several player characters." Right, like which which could happen, but like you're not just gonna like shoot, you know, these nukes onto a party of people on um, <laughs> the planet. So so you have your starship build points. That go I there should
3: and, I should. I was yeah. gonna say I should say there is a spell though in Starfinder where you can cause like a giant fleet of ships to appear above you and fire down <laughs> it. It is an incredible like spell. Call you an
2: AC, <laughs> yeah. dragon ship. It's awesome. Puffs the magic dragon.
0: Yes. <laughs> now, uh, one one little side note on here. Uh, about a year ago, I did an interview with Jared Bailey from the Maximum Pew Pew podcast. We talked about kit bashing. He's also uh, on a Starfinder podcast, uh, and he talked about how there was a whole nother system, whole completely different tabletop RPG system with its own rules for starship combat. And they're like, "Yeah, we play Starfinder." But we use those starship combat rules.
3: Mm, huh?
0: So listeners, like if you're ever thinking like, yeah, I hated starship combat, but I love Starfinder. There are options out there, you know, besides just, you know, hand waving and saying like, yes, you are awesome and blow up the other enemy ships.
3: (laughs) We're just avoiding them at all costs and stuff. Yeah, that's that's great. I'll check that out.
0: So, I I wish I could remember the name of the system, but it's our kit bashing episode. It's, uh, I want to say it's like all the way back to, it was episode three for Shop Talk Show. You can go back and check that out, listeners. And, uh, you know, while you're at it, go ahead and download the whole Shield Bash library and listen to them all. Do
3: it. Do it.
1: Do it. Do it. Do it.
2: it. (laughs) Yes.
0: Well, Will, did that uh, sufficiently cover Starship Combat, or was there more you wanted to?
2: No, I mean, that was pretty much it. Uh, It's like. It it brings like a sort of RTS kind of flavor to... I just remember distinctly we have our tabletop monitor and we were all just sort of like standing around it trying to like plot out and a little bit of metagame maybe, but, you know, we were... We were very engrossed in, like, how do we, like, outflank and outmaneuver with our (laughs) ship versus their ship and their turning radius? Like, we're scanning their ship. Like, it was very detailed. And and it was so much fun. Like, I really relished that a lot. uh, And I can't wait. I hope, you know, John, that there's some combat that I can... Also digest in our show. It'd be fun.
0: Well, yeah. if you and I ever meet up at a convention, don't let me pilot because I'm the uh, ram full speed ram into them sort of pilot. So just throwing that out there. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. I've ruined cool. more than one vehicle doing that to enemies. Just...
1: <laughs> <laughs> it does sound Yikes. like we want you on the guns, though. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah,
0: hey, especially if you have if you have nukes and other fun things to
3: shoot. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, grappling I mean, it, iron no soul.
3: way you should be you should be uh you should be doing that too like uh trying to debuff our enemies and their own <laughs> starships
0: <laughs> well uh kelly john anything that you guys want to any other topics or subtopics you guys wanted to hit on
3: um i mean i just wanted to uh just give a final bit of advice um just remember that the most important rules are understanding combat starship combat as well and just have a general idea of what skills do. And then, just like when you started playing, whether it's Pathfinder or 5e or whatever it is, uh, you can look those other things up later as they come up. Just have fun. And seriously, check out that, like, uh, Starship's firing down on people's spells. great. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you I think... what it's called? Yeah, you uh, know I'll look it up while, while oh, I think John summarizes. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I, I think the biggest thing for me is that when you jump into it, just let your imagination go wild like that for me like i i when i first started playing starfinder it felt like i first started playing D &D again because there was just enough of a difference and there's just such a rich lore there's such a difference of all the things we talked about you know different rule set there's a different focus there's a different way to progress your characters that as you're thumbing through and you're like well let me just see what this character gets at 20th level what this class gets so i know how powerful i i will become one day right like that uh curiosity I, i i think if you let that uh, take over, then that really helps to have fun. And just as Kelly said, and just as Will said, like you will find the things like Starship Combat that will make it fun, or you know you will see the rules that you will remember. And if you don't remember the other ones, that's fine because that's why there is a rule book. You are not meant to be the uh, encyclopedia of rules, and just really have fun with it because Starfinder allows you to do a lot of really fun things that uh, 5e doesn't.
0: Well, uh, for my closing thoughts, what I'm going to say is, listeners, if you sit through this whole thing and you're just really not sure what to do, try them both. There's no rule against it. Uh, There are some people that will look down on you for playing one versus the other. Do not play with those people. Do not associate with those people as much as you can because (laughs) those people are jerks. Yep. Figure out which system you like. And quite frankly, if you sit down and you don't like either of them, just remember there are thousands of other choices. Uh, And if you don't think you have time to try them out, Check out Will Save the Podcast. That Find out right. from them what Starfinder is like.
3: And it is a lot of fun, and that spell is called Shadowy Fleet.
0: Shadowy Fleet? Shadowy
3: <laughs> Fleet. Shadowy Fleet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. Uh, all right, listeners, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, if you want to check out Will Save the Podcast, look for their link in the description. Um, if you're coming at us from uh, Will Save the Podcast's feed, Feel free to check us out as well. Again, Shield Bash, also on Podbean. You can find us all over the place. Link in the description. Thank you, and good night. Thanks,
1: everyone. Thank
3: you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Shield Bash is made in association with Knights of the Octagon and the Farmageddon Gaming Convention. Find us online at shieldbash.net, on Facebook at Shield Bash, on Twitter at Bash Shield, and on YouTube at Shield Bash. Bumper music provided by Lee Rosevere. Other artists can be found in the episode description. Troubles in Otari, Abomination Vaults,
0: Serpent Skull, and Pathfinder are the property of Paizo Publishing Incorporated. Leave a comment on iTunes for a chance to hear us read it out on the podcast.
1: Questions and comments can be sent to shieldbashpodcast at gmail.com.